what do you want people to feel when they look at your brand? Like, I think this is really important. What, what do you want? What feel do you want them to have? Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn the viral posts that increased their baseline sales forever, why they got everyone hands on deck and what they were doing when their posts went viral, and the new problems you face when you go from a seven-figure business to eight figures. Today, I'm joined by Julian O'Reilly from Moonglow. Moonglow sells jewelry that features the picture of the moon from the date of your choice and is tracking towards becoming a $10 million business. It was started in 2011 and based out Miami, Florida. Welcome, guys. Hey, Felix. Hi, Felix. Hey, so uh, Julian, you mentioned to me that you started the 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 business off by selling, or I guess both of you started business off by selling the jewelry 101. So tell us about how this went early on. So early on, we were selling Moonglow jewelry in uh, in events like uh, fairs and and home shows and markets and and pretty much anywhere we could sell it uh, in in person. Uh, so that's that's how we started before we did uh, e-commerce. Got it. So what was that step then? The next step, like if you're selling one on one, like how did you guys gradually make towards uh, building a more scalable business? Yeah, well, the first thing was uh, at the events, we would we would sell there, we would meet customers, we get them all excited. And then we didn't have a website. Uh, so we knew we needed a website so that we could uh, introduce the product to people and then people could obviously buy later on. Uh, so we, we built the website uh, shortly, shortly after, uh, you know, launching the company because we knew that we wanted to get some of that recurring revenue going. God, I think you also mentioned to me that you guys also have a, a wholesale arm that you you started off somewhere in between uh, selling one on one to to building something more scalable. Yeah, so basically the way it went is we did events, uh, just me and Elgadi, uh, for uh, for a couple of years. You know, we traveled around and we thought that was that was going to be kind of the be- the best way to do it. Then we built uh, we built a website, started getting some traffic there. We were still pretty heavy on the events. We we're doing maybe like 36, 40 events. And we were also working with a couple of uh, salespeople that were also traveling, doing other events, comic cons, and and just all different type of events where we thought you know we could we could sell and and introduce the brand. Uh, then in uh, 2013, 2014, we started thinking about wholesale selling it to stores because I think we had maybe one or two store owners that had approached us and say, "Hey, this is a cool brand, cool product. We would like to sell in our stores," and and they did, and it went really well. And then I started to see that that's a uh, like a recurring revenue because once the store opens and if it's successful, they'll keep ordering and ordering hopefully for years. So that was about in 2014. Got it. So most people will start off in e-commerce definitely these days and maybe even in 2011 when you guys started, what made you guys decide to go with uh, in-person events to, to start? That's, that's how we started. Uh, I worked in, uh, in sales, like selling items and and different fairs and things like that. And so that's just what I knew. And I knew that I could sell it and and make, make a living at it as well. Uh, so already came on board, you know, we joined forces and and just, we were doing events that way because that's just what we knew. And it was already kind of working. Got it. Now, when you are, are you guys still selling at events a day or is everything transitioned to wholesale and online? So we we reduced it quite a bit, uh, just because it's uh, we wanted to focus more on on the wholesale and e-commerce. But we still do some events. 
Uh, and then we also do the trade shows for uh, for wholesale. So that's that's really only open to to the businesses and the buyers and things like that. Got it. Now, when you are at an event or one, if someone were to to follow in your footsteps and start going to events to sell their products one hundred and one, what would you consider a successful showing? Like, how do you determine if it was a, a if that's the right approach? You know, after you do like ten or so, how do you evaluate if it's a right approach or not? I would say if you're if you're making money or not, uh, if it's profitable, then you're probably doing something right. If you're losing money and you're working really hard, then you might want to reevaluate that. So you, you think that it might it should not necessarily be easy, but like you shouldn't have to like fight like and claw your way towards profitability if you're going to these events. Yeah, I think if you you work hard, if you have a good product, and and obviously not every event is going to be a home run. You can't win all the time. But as long as you, it's profitable the majority of the time, uh, you should be in good shape. And, and I think that it should be somewhat easy. Uh, and I think that you should have, if you're not a salesperson, at least have a salesperson who's outgoing and who's going to really uh, captivate people and, and show your brand, show your product and get people excited about it. Got it. Are there certain products and categories that, that, you know, based on your years of experience doing this, like are there certain products or types of products that are going to do better at these, uh, at selling at one, uh, one-on-one at these events? Yeah, usually it's, it's something that you can kind of demonstrate. So when you start talking to somebody, like have, have some type of demonstration, something that's, uh, captivates, uh, their attention, like, you know, something that usually is a little intriguing to the eye, like you're doing some type of demonstration, uh, usually works a little bit better. Got it. Now, nowadays, how do you determine which events that you guys should be at? Like, what are you looking at? Well, now we've got it, we, we've got it narrowed down that we know which ones kind of work because we've done so many, I feel. Uh, but the first thing is attendance. Uh, the larger the attendance, usually the better, not always. Uh, but usually if it's, if it's your demographic and there's a good attendance, it's a pretty good indicator that it's it's going to be a good event. Got it. Okay, so you guys are selling at these one-on-one, uh, uh, one-on-one at these events, started kind of branching out into wholesale, and then you decided to go the e-commerce route. So what was that first step towards building an e-commerce business? Because now you have to start gearing things up. I guess also at the wholesale side, you have to start, start changing your business a little bit so it's now going to be scalable. What kind of things did you have to put into place to make sure you could scale the business? So we've had three different websites. The first one that we built was uh, right in that time period when we started the company, right? 2012, 2013. And that website was really bad, but it, it did work because people that we would see in the events, we would sell to them. They would want to buy again. So they already kind of knew the brand, so they would purchase on there. Then we rebuilt another site on the Drupal platform. And that's when it started. We started to use some heat maps and started to get a little bit more technical and try to improve the conversion rate. Cause these are all things that I didn't know or we didn't know prior. And, and we, we learned about, and then finally we made the switch to Shopify plus, uh, and, and really got pretty serious about it. Got it. So what, because now you're going online and you're, you're the marketplace now online, I'm assuming your marketing had to completely make a shift. Like what did you guys have to do there to start driving, you know, traffic? Because you're showing up at these events, there's already people there, you know, there's already traffic, you know, that, that is present. But now when you're online, you have to start pulling that traffic to your website. What were you guys doing early on to, to start driving uh, your customers to the website? So one of the first things that we did, uh, early, early on is in 2012, I met this uh, 
marketing agency in California when we were doing the uh, the OC fair in Orange County, uh, California. And the marketing industry was like, hey, you guys should, you know, advertise. And and at that time, there was no paid ads. It was I think it was just Facebook. Like, uh, so we we basically started working with them, paid them to start doing some marketing, uh, just, you know, posting photos and engaging the audience and things like that. So we started that pretty early on, which which was tough because we didn't really like I was like, oh, am I going to get an ROI on this? But I was like, ah, oh, screw it. So we just we just did it. And it, that kind of started that. But we also started doing SEO like early, early on, like in 2011, 2012, right when we launched the first site. And we started really analyzing those keywords and started earlier on. And now organic has become a pretty good, steady stream of, of visitors to the sites. So with SEO, what kind of content were you building? Like, how do you know what kind of content to produce to put on your site? Oh, it was a lot, a lot of content writing. Like it was pretty uh, white hat stuff. It wasn't, you know, uh, black hat or like back in the day, you know, people would uh, just link build or whatnot. Like it's our, our SEO has been pretty strong all the way throughout. We were just writing a lot of articles and, and trying to get some good backlinks and things like that. We were working with an agency and, and we just kept working with an agency and kept it going. And I guess the content was, was good. The site was good that Google started ranking us for, you know, many different keywords. So now we, we're pretty strong in uh, any moon jewelry related keywords. Got so are people like you trying to attract people that are searching like moon jewelry, or is it more like educational content? Like what 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 kind of uh, how would you say you, you invest in in the content? Like what kind of topics or what kind of um, types of content are you producing? Yeah, so well, branded was important. Obviously, people searching for our brand name, which is Moon Glow Jewelry. So made sure that that was ranking really well. And then we went after kind of the moon jewelry, moon bracelets. And at the end of the day, that is what we're selling. So it is relevant. And then also uh, phases of the moon and, and things, people that are interested in, in that aspect of it as well with writing like good quality content about uh, about the moon and, and things of that nature. Got it. So people that are searching for moon jewelry, they're you know they're ready to buy. Obviously, it makes sense to to bring them in, get them to convert probably on the the first visit. But for people that are just coming in to learn more about the moon and and uh, are trying to get educated, I guess about 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 the moon and not maybe because it hasn't hasn't crossed their mind yet to buy jewelry. Do you have a kind of different uh, follow up? Uh, process for them? Like, are you trying to get them on your email list? Like, how do you nurture customers, or not even customers yet, but how do you nurture visitors that aren't ready to become customers yet? So earlier on, we didn't really have a plan. Like, we were just bringing traffic to the site. And then about three or four years ago, we started getting more analytical. And now, obviously, yeah, we try to get them on our on our newsletter and then retarget them all over the place, uh, whether it be Google, Facebook, Instagram. You know, we hit them with the... Uh, with the retargeting and, and really trying to have engaging content. If they are on our email newsletter list, uh, we really try to keep it like it's not always sales. Like we try to keep it fresh, uh, also all cohesive. So if they follow us on Instagram, like the branding is all all the same and everything and, and really try to make it a fun experience. Like we don't want to shove sales down their throat all the time, really trying to make it a two way conversation here. Got it. So you mentioned to me that you guys had a few viral events online and one of them was when you were in Thailand you looked at your phone and you had a post that made it all around the internet and had a hundred thousand visitors in one day and from that day on your base sales were never the same after that so what was it that went viral that day so it was one photo uh this this woman on twitter she had purchased or her boyfriend purchased uh like two necklaces and she kind of converted them to a bracelet and it was the 
uh, phase of the moon, I think from the day they met and her birthday, something like that. And together made a full moon. So it's kind of a romantic thing, uh, a cute thing. And, and she just posted this photo. It was kind of like a funny meme. And people were just saying like, man, I'm not that romantic. And, and it just started to become like a funny meme. But it really, people understood what we were selling. It's jewelry that features the picture of the moon from the date of your choice, like the day you met someone or your kids or whatever. So people got it. And this thing just made its way around the internet like so many times. And and we just woke up in, in Thailand. Uh, and we're, I looked at the traffic and I was like, what is going on here? So I called the marketing agency right away. And I was like, guys, we got to we got to get on this. And, and then we, what did we do? The first thing we did is the original person who tweeted it, uh, I think we said like, thank you. And we gave her a, like another free piece right away. So she was, she was like actively in the conversation, like defending us. Cause some people were saying like, Oh, you know, people always like hate in the comments or they love or whatever. And she was just in there like throwing fuel in the fire and, and, and kept it going. And then it got like retweeted and all these popular Instagram accounts were like, like the meme accounts were, we're posting it and, and traffic kept on coming. So this was a customer and not even somebody that you guys were like working with to to create content to go viral? Exactly. We really just got very lucky. And then organic shot up through the roof because I guess Google saw like a ton of people coming and and uh, and then along with that, then we also saw the flaws too. We saw that our conversion rate like tanked. And obviously not everybody came to the site that was interested. Uh, but they may have just come to to see, but we still at that point realized that we should probably work on our like website experience. And, and we were really afraid that the site was going to crash. It didn't, but it's definitely slowed down. So we realized that we needed to make some adjustments. Have you learned anything from this in terms of like what is required or what might give something a post, like a, like a post, for example, or image, a, a better chance at going viral? Uh, so we went viral twice. That was uh, completely, you know, organic. Uh, the second time, you know, it, it seems to be the same thing. Like, uh, it's always a boyfriend buys like the necklace for someone. And it's it's kind of romantic, I guess. It's the day the moon on the day they met. And that's what the necklace represents. And, and then uh, people kind of put a caption like, so romantic, you know, like, I'll never be that romantic or something along those lines. So it's kind of funny but it's true at the same time and people see that it's a real photo. So I think these type of things, it's, it's hard because when it's sponsored, people obviously know it's sponsored. So when it's real and it really is real, people know that and then they, they engage with it. And uh, sometimes you, you just, you just get lucky, but I think it's important to have people posting these photos, encouraging people obviously to post the photos and, you know, to use the hashtags and things of that nature. Cause then you'll have more opportunity to get it out there and, and more chance that it's, it's going to get picked up. Right. You can only do so much, but if you can encourage activity and getting real customers to put out the content, something might catch on like it has a couple times for you guys already. So what can you do to ride this wave? If something does take off, maybe not to the same extent that it has for you guys, but I'm sure to some lesser degree, someone posts something and you know you get a, a big kind of tick, uh, has, a, has a bigger splash than what you normally get and you start getting traffic coming in. What can you do to, to, to get in the, ride the wave and extend this kind of exposure? Well, first, it's all hands on on deck. We make sure that like our customer service team is everybody is is ready because there's a, a big surge happening. So right away, it's like, all right, guys, let's let's get to it. And then we we monitor kind of the comments and we, you know, we make sure that we engage in the comments and we're, we're talking to people. And a lot of times when it does go viral, they see the product, 
they see the brand name, they don't really know the website because it's it's not something where you're it's not a sponsored post. So people there's no click here or people can click. Right. They they usually just go finding it on Google. So we we do comment, people see us commenting from either our Twitter account or Instagram account. So they know where it's coming from. So people that do want to buy it, like we make it as easy as possible for them. The second time we went viral, we also we took that same meme and we gave it to a meme account. I think paid them like a couple hundred bucks. They had like a million followers or something to to repost it just to kind of keep it trending uh, on Instagram. And uh, and that's what we did the second time, and it, and it worked. I like that that you guys took what was already working and then gave it to someone that had a big distribution. It's already proven to work. It's already kind of in the, I guess, internet zeitgeist for that day. And you push it along by getting to someone that had a big distribution. So you mentioned that the base sales went up. Do you remember how big of a difference either one of these made for your your base sales? What happened is when we went to 100,000 fol- uh, followers, excuse me, visitors on that on that first explosion, then it kind of went to like 75 and 50. And and then our visitors just, just doubled over time. So our sales essentially doubled right after that. And they just kind of kept doubling. And because we, we really feel that we had uh, a good product, a good, uh, a good brand, a good story. We just needed to get it out there. So uh, I guess if you do have a good brand, a good product, and then people like it, more eyes get on it. I mean, naturally you'll make more sales and, and people will tell more people or whatever. Uh, so it really just kind of doubled from that point, to be honest. Wow, that's amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, hiring. So so you hired a team member for branding and social media management, and they were able to uh, to give you kind of resources to start rebranding and making the brand look more professional, which you say speaks to the importance of investing in your team because it's made a huge difference for you guys. At what point did you decide to do this, to, to focus on hiring someone for the branding and the, the social media management side? So the first company that we worked with uh, over in California, which I said we had started working with them in 2011, 2012, they they had grown like our follower count to around, I think, 10,000 on Instagram. Uh, but the branding was like the photos they were using weren't very good. And and then uh, we we met somebody who became, we became friends and she was saying like, you know, the photography is like not very good. Like you got it's not cohesive. Like the colors suck, like all this stuff, which was you know, we were very humble about her. Like, yeah, you're right. And uh, she was young. She didn't really have a track record. And uh, and we hired her. We brought her on. And, and she really did her thing and, and grew that follower account in a year from like 10,000 to I think now it's like 75, got us verified, got the whole branding cohesive. We got redesigned our whole office. And, and it really started to look the same all across the board, which is something that we didn't understand or have too much time to do. Uh, but just made such a big difference because when somebody has experienced the brand, they come to the site, like it's got to look legit. Like people will look at your Instagram. They will look at who's wearing it. They'll look at your tags. And if it all clocks out, they'll be like, all right, this is a legit company. I'll buy from here. Hey, real quick. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now let's get back to the interview. Right. So you said to us as well that you should work with experts and don't try to save money by doing everything yourself. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs, especially I guess if they're bootstrapping, they're struggling to get by, kind of get stuck here where they're trying to do everything themselves. They're getting spread too thin, so they can't grow. They can't grow. They can't reinvest in their business. So is there a certain stage where this starts to make sense? Like how do you know when you should kind of step away from certain things and start hiring people to to fill in in those those uh, those those aspects or even those gaps in your skill set? 
Yeah, for the first couple of years, it was it was really me and Ahadi uh, grinding away. You know, like if if we would stay up till four a.m. doing orders and doing that whole thing, outgrew the house like many people. Then we got an office, a uh, small office, you know, with one one employee. So we it was really when it got to the point where we couldn't do it anymore. We would then we would upgrade. You know, when when we realized like okay, we're not our branding's not going to get any better. Like you know, we've grown as much as we can let's let's take it to the next level here let's in, let's invest in it so i think it's like not too early i think start doing it yourself up until it's like you can't do it anymore or you can't make it any better and 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 be honest with yourself and say look like i need to give it to somebody else here who's going to be able to do it better than i can so when you're hiring an agency or individual is your kind of evaluation process the same like how do you approach the difference between like hiring someone that's a team member versus like a, an agency uh, so agencies, yeah, we've been through a couple different agencies. Uh, they're tough. They're tough. Sometimes you, you just won't know. You got to give it two, three months to really see what they can do, you know, unfortunately. Um, and same thing with employees and then team members. I mean, not everybody's good. Ultimately, we're looking for like the best 10% we can find. And uh, we really, we were, that's, we don't uh, settle for less, you know, we really try to, to get the best that we can find. Um, so we we had to let go of a lot of people because of that, and uh, and it in the end it uh, it works because now we got a good team in place, everything's working, and and it's kind of uh, been growing very very well because of that. So what do what do you do? Like how do you how do you evaluate? Because I think this is a skill set that is uh, it takes time to develop. But are there any things that you've learned along the way to? Quick, more more quickly identify if someone's going to be a good fit or a uh, a, a successful in the role that you hired them for. Yeah, well, for example, I mean, for paid stuff like paid agencies and and things like that, uh, paid marketing. I mean, that's pretty simple. That's a, that's a return on ad spend play. So I mean, it, it's either you're making money or you're not. And how long will you go until you you don't see a return? Because there are certain agencies that we worked with that there was no profit, you know, and, and they wouldn't really respond very quickly. So you start to get that gut feeling like, all right, you know, we're probably not that important to them. We're not making much money. We need to make a change here. Um, so that's how it works with, with paid agencies, with people in house, we used to hire pretty quickly. Uh, and we had, we had a lot of problems. Like we, we had to do a whole, uh, kind of change the team and change the culture. And then we hired a, a fantastic uh, manager to kind of take our place. Cause we were, managing all of the employees and the team members uh but that that becomes a, a big job and it's it's sometimes what was happening is that we were so working so hard on on growing the business and doing so many things that we couldn't set the 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 right culture because you know let's face it you you uh if somebody calls in sick or whatever uh you know for the owners you you just work and and sometimes it can be frustrating but you have to manage those things well and that's when like an office manager for us who really was able to take what we wanted, like our culture and, you know, and ping pong and all that fun stuff and happy hours and, and implement all that stuff for us. And then you have less turnaround, you have a better team, you have a happier team, and everything just seems to work a lot, a lot better. How do you decide if you should hire someone in-house or an outside agency? Uh, it depends for, for certain things. Uh, it's, it's tough. But the thing is, for us, we most of our team does the fulfillment. Uh, so because our product is kind of custom, so it's very hard to use a 3PL. We've, and we've actually tried that, you know, we used a 3PL, flew to Kansas and there was just a lot of mistakes. Uh, so we knew right away, like for that, we were not going to outsource this. We're going to do it in house, much more difficult. You're dealing with employees and 
everything that comes along with that. You need more, much more space. Uh, but we knew that was the right route for the customer to get the proper customer experience. Same thing for customer service. We really like to have our team uh, in-house. And sometimes, you know, they can work from home and stuff uh, if, if they want. But when you have those employees in-house, they're part of the culture. You know, you guys all get along. They understand the brand. They know the brand. And, and then I feel that the customer gets a much better customer experience. Right. So these days, do you have an agency for, for any of the, for, I guess, what do you have an agency for? So we use an agency for uh, search engine optimization uh, because I feel that's something that's changing a lot. Uh, so it's better to, to use experts to stay up with the trends. We use an agency for uh, Google ads, uh, any paid ads, uh, Facebook, Instagram, things like that. Um, and then we outsource also with some photographers and videographers uh, but we also do some of the videography and photography in-house as well. So it's a mix of the two. Got it. What's your interaction and guidance that you would give for an agency? Because you mentioned that they're mostly like marketing agencies, right? People that are doing SEO or Instagram and Facebook ads. Like, How do you make sure that they're, I guess, on track? Like, What kind of guidance do you provide? So I think with an agency, for example, any paid ad agency, it, for us, it's really simple. I mean, it's, it's that return on ad spend, like how much do you expect and setting those guidelines from the beginning. Like if you spend a thousand, are you expecting 2000 sales, 1500 sales, 1200, 3000 so that you know, and they know what they're trying to hit. Cause uh, at the beginning we didn't really set those expectations. It was just kind of like, Hey, make sales. Uh, cause you know, we didn't know how much. So it's being clear about that, your expectations with them. And then they know their, their KPIs or their goals. And then have weekly like meetings to, to see if it's working or not and what you need to adjust. So if it isn't working or if it, you can think of an example where it's not tracking in the right way, like what can, what can you do or is there anything that you can do or is it literally kind of in their hands and maybe it's not a good fit and you have to find a new agency? Well, see, earlier on, for example, we started working with one agency and, and the website wasn't that great. This is pre Shopify. The branding wasn't, we weren't selling it as a lifestyle brand. It was very different. It was very dark, uh, the experience. And, and, you know, we worked with the agency in our weekly meetings. Like it was working, but it was working on a small scale. And I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to scale it. And, and he was, he was honest and he was like, look, you need to, you need to probably, sell the the lifestyle you know like the whole customer experience because it's true i mean they can send people to your site but once they land there it's, it's it is your job to give them a great experience and make sure everything is on point and there's no problem everything flows well from the time they come in to the time they check out and and afterwards as well so we that's when we started uh looking at shopify and we rebranded and did all those things that earlier on the agency told us so a good agency should also guide you on on what you should do you know um to make sure that you're, you're both successful because the more sales obviously you make on your website, the more the agency will, will make as well, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a two way street. Right. So what's your process for finding an agency to work with? Well, now before I used to just go online and then look around and I still do that, but now I think like being in groups and, and knowing, uh, uh, people that have worked with agencies that are very good and and pr have a proven track record is is probably the best way to go. So you're looking for like referrals? Yeah, referrals or like, for example, uh, me and the Shopify Plus group, you know, a lot of people talk in there and I'm in a few other uh, groups as well. And a lot of people have some pretty good brands that are doing some strong sales that uh, also have recommendations. So that's that's usually the best way to go, in my opinion. 
for you, is it a requirement that they have worked with a company in this space? I guess in your case, with like jewelry or something. No, not necessarily. Uh, like we sell jewelry, but it's it's more the experience that we're selling. It's it's a very unique type of jewelry. So no, it wasn't it wasn't necessary. Yeah, I mean, because that's the case where it's like you can't really pinpoint to another company that is similar to you. And that initial conversation, like, how do you see if they get it? I guess, how do you determine if they get what what you're trying to create? Yeah, and we had to do some back and forth. Like, there was a little tension sometimes between the branding and making sure that because the first thing that one agency that we did uh, is they wanted to discount everything, and and we're not a big discount company. Um, and then we also had uh, some pushback from our our director of sales and wholesale. She was like, Julian, well, what is going on here? Like, you're discounting everything, or or at least the messaging side is site wide, but it wasn't site wide. And that's obviously going to work. Like if you have a company that doesn't make sales and then all of a sudden you blast it out that everything is 20% off site wide, you're going to make a ton of sales, but then you're known as a discount company. And that was not something we wanted to go down. So it was, it was, uh, we had to do some back and forth, make sure that the integrity stayed there, the brand integrity, the messaging, and, and, you know, we weren't always trying to do sales and things like that. So we, we went back and forth, but we were able to, to find a good meeting, meeting point. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that one of the times the agency said that, hey, we can only do so much. You have to, ha- you have to spend some time to improve the website experience and, and also the brand that comes along with it. Uh, well, can you talk a little about that? Like, What changes did you guys have to make to improve the, the website's uh, conversion rates? Yeah, well, just for starters, like the whole flow of the site and, and the way it looked and, and the amount of clicks. So we had to improve the way it looks rebrand all the colors much better photography like reduced uh, we had way too many clicks when we did a <laughs> when we did a uh, a revision there of how many clicks it takes to get to the checkout like we, we just identified it, it's way too many so we reduced that and really started to get that good photography and that good experience so that people can it looked attractive or much better than it did at least and and that made a big difference in our conversion rate yeah, the too many clicks thing I think is important because each click is an opportunity for someone to drop off. Like, what are some things that you guys had before that you, you, you cut out? Uh, so it was just like uh, our checkout was too long. For example, like there was just like I think there was an extra two clicks there. Like you know sometimes your checkouts are just so long, and that's something that obviously Shopify did really well. So one time, I'll just give you a story. I went to a, a, a meetup like uh, early on. It was kind of a, I'll look at your website and give you some advice type meetup. Um, and we started working with this guy locally. We don't work with him anymore, but he told us a lot of really good things. Like he was kind of a conversion rate uh, specialist, you know, and, and he was local so we could meet with him and things. And and that's when he really started to, I learned a lot from him. Like he was like, this is way too many clicks. Like here's all your problems, like your heat maps, like look at all this. And then we started making a lot of, a lot of big changes. Got it. So you also mentioned that you wanted to improve the way it looks. So did you guys hire like a design, like a, some kind of design agency to to uh, work on that? Yeah, exactly. So actually one of the uh, the uh, marketing agencies that we work with who told us that we needed a better customer experience uh, plugged us with a, uh, a design agency, a Shopify Plus uh, approved partner, I think they're called or something like that, uh, over in New York and uh, started working with them. So that's it, a good agency as well. They they have contacts with photographers, videographers, designers, and different things that can really help you. And when it come, came to the better photography, like what was the direction here? Like, How did you know what better meant? 
I think Algeri can, can talk to you about that, but I think that the photography was, it needed to all be the same. Like it was kind of different. Like the whites weren't all the same. And, and what was it? Like some items were larger. Yeah, I think um, uh, I think as far as uh, product photography, it needed to be more consistent. Um, but uh, I think the issue is that we didn't have we didn't have any like branding to start with, so we needed to really like determine what our branding like, we would didn't, look we, like. Yeah, we didn't even have. Yes. we didn't even have like a. Uh, like our, our colors down and, and, you know, we weren't sharing that with people. It was kind of like, you know, just do whatever, just, just sell it. Um, like we didn't have a, uh, like a press kit, like a proper press kit. Like these are the colors, this is our logo. Like those are all things that kind of came afterwards. Yeah. Guidelines. Yeah. Like branding guidelines. Yeah. Are, are there questions you should ask yourself then when you to get this down? Because like you mentioned colors, the, like, what does the logo look like and things like, what else can you, what else should you be asking and know the answers to before you have a strong grasp of like, be able to point to something and say, this is the brand. I, I would say like, what do you want people to feel when they look at your brand? Like, I think this is really important. What, what do you want? What, feel do you want them to have? I think before we were all over the place with the colors. So it was red, brown, blue, and like, um, now we have much more like calming tones, like blues and whites and everything's very bright. Everything's very fresh. Uh, it gives you that feel of like, it's very clean, you know? And, um, so I think it's important to define what kind of, experience what kind of feel you want all throughout your website all throughout your photos right i think uh, i think julian you mentioned that a lot of times entrepreneurs just kind of want to run as fast as possible just sell this like who cares about the way this looks if it's selling it's fine but taking the time to improve the brand is kind of a step back i mean it's a step back to take two steps forward but you still got to kind of pause things and like spend your, your energy and your focus and your capital on improving this. Was it an easy decision to make to say, to say, let's invest the time and slow things down a bit so we can improve the brand? I think it was an easy decision because we knew that we had to do that in order to take it to the next level. Because as when you're, if you're not trying to grow a bunch or like your, your pool of people is very small, it's fine. But if you're really trying to scale and, and, and those little things make a difference and, uh, you know, the margins kind of get smaller and smaller uh, as you get bigger and bigger, you're spending more money and getting people to the site and things that all these little things are very, very important uh, to do. So we did realize that we needed to make these changes and needed to be, uh, you know, the same, like our branding guidelines needed to be respected everywhere, uh, online, offline, trade shows, stores, shopping shops, wherever it is now, it all looks the same. And it gives you, you look more legit too as well. Like people would see us in trade shows and be like, wow, you guys have really come a long way from when you started and it's true it looks better it feels better and it's like it's all the same experience so i think it's important does it make sense to focus on these details and the brand when you're just starting out i think so um i would say like if 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 we had to do it all over again i yeah. think that's where yeah. <laughs> that's where you would start uh i think what led us to make this decision you know hiring someone to help us with the branding is that, you know, we were trying so many things like flyers, graphics, and it, we were always not fully satisfied with the way it came out and everything was so like not consistent. Uh, 
So at the end of the day, you you do waste a lot of time trying to find your way into like, you know, the way your brand looks. And um, so I think it, it is something you should actually uh, uh, focus on, like in the first steps of your business. Got it. So were there any uh, like uh, apps that you guys used or services that you guys recommend to to improve the, the customer experience? You know, cause like you mentioned that okay, the, the branding thing, you guys had to figure out for sure to get to improve the website. What about just like apps or anything like that to improve the customer experience or uh, the, the conversion rates? Yeah, so one of the big metrics we're, we're tracking is obviously the conversion rate, but the return customer rate as well. Uh, the customer satisfaction rate. So we use we use Yodpo for for reviews, and we monitor those reviews big time, and and really read them every single one every week, and and try to improve on those. So I think that the the reviews is obviously uh, important. Uh, apps that really help us. Uh, we we've been going more international, and we we grew that channel quite a bit this year. Uh, so we use uh, Flavor Cloud for really good shipping prices international. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy to use. It's an app. Uh, it doesn't cost very much, and uh, you can ship really, really cheap internationally. Awesome. So we mentioned at the start of the show that you guys are on track to to, to build uh, your, your first $10 million, over $10 million a year in 2019. What kind of problems do you guys face nowadays that you didn't face when you're just trying to get to that first you know, seven-figure, that first million-dollar business? Yeah, it's a whole different set of problems now. Like, uh, it really came down like this last Christmas. It was, we thought we had a big enough team and it just wasn't because again, we fulfill our own orders. We do our own customer service, all that stuff. Uh, so we just didn't have enough people and we all had to grind and, and the morale started getting pretty low. Like people just worked out, you know, we're doing 70, 80 hours. So that was super tough. And so it's it's trying to predict, and then it drops off again. Uh, it's not that it's seasonal, but obviously Christmas time, and then you get into like January, it's much slower, and then you've got all these people, and it's it's trying to trying to juggle all that type of stuff. Um, it's difficult, and obviously you're you're spending you know much more money, so the finances become more important, where to put your money and things like that, uh, and when you where you're going to grow. Like for us, we're we're growing online, we're also growing offline uh, in in the brick and mortar space, and partnering with some great websites, uh, other websites that sell our brand, and other great stores. We built these like uh, really cool counters, so we we've been working a long time on these counters and uh, invested quite a bit of time and money into these. But we know that we place these in different great retail locations. You're going to get a ton of traffic seeing your brand, uh, and also a ton of you know sales. Uh, selling your brand as well, so sometimes you gotta you gotta invest in the right places. Mm. So as you guys are building all this out, like, what do you, both of you like to focus or or prefer to focus your time on on a day to day basis? Yeah, and I also want to say another thing that we did too last year, like we before we had a, a like kind of an not an employee problem, but like a team culture problem because we were the managers of the office and manager of the employees, but we weren't always there because we were. Already was on photo shoots and I was at trade shows and and there was kind of a a negative attitude had started to to take place in the office and it got really bad and then some people were were saying that you know some weird stuff was going on in the office not supposed to happen and and you know I don't know like I'm not even there and you know I don't know much about being you know HR compliance and all that type of stuff you know so I I didn't quite get it um so that was really hard because we had to essentially kind of let go of a lot of people that were just really killing our culture. 
uh, and we had to get new fresh people, a new fresh manager. Now the vibe is so much better. We have an amazing team of people and they love coming to work. Our turnover has been almost zero. Um, you know, we do crazy ping pong championships and it's, it's awesome. Like the vibe is, is great. So that's, that was a big challenge. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess that is what, what, what do you prefer to spend your time doing? Is it, is it, is, do you have you guys handed off the kind of office management stuff or like what is the, the, uh, where can you add the most value these days? Yeah. So we, we created an accountability chart. Um, so everybody has really like defined roles and what they're doing. So I'm more like in the, uh, the finance and, and working with the marketing teams to make sure that I'm growing that top line revenue and, uh, already, uh, works more in marketing, photography. Yeah, so I uh, I oversee anything that's uh, creative in the company. So anything that has to do with photography, um, uh, graphics, uh, you know, different projects for wholesale, retail. Brand um, integrity too. That brand- we, we did put already in charge of making sure that everything is like who's got the final say on the brand integrity. And, and that's already to make sure that it, it's really something we want to want to push out there or we want to be advertising. Yeah. And then, um, I also, uh, do inventory management and, um, anything that has to do with buying product, but also developing new, uh, pieces for the, for the line. And, uh, this is what I really would love to be focusing on more because I think we've done great things, uh, this past year with, uh, some new pieces that we designed and I think people are really liking it and I'd like to take this uh, um, one step further. So, Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Moonglow.com is a website. And for the both of you, what is the biggest challenge that you guys think you will overcome this year? The biggest challenge, I think, is uh, is hitting those uh, those goals. We set some pretty pretty high KPIs for ourselves and uh, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. We're holding everybody accountable to, uh, to hit those KPIs, so we're we're just pushing through to make sure we can we can hit all our goals. Awesome! Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs, powered by Shopify. To get your exclusive 30-day extended trial, visit Shopify.com/masters.